The following is a Frank R. Wilson presentation. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it covered. We talk to those from the industry and learn about them and their favorite scores. Welcome to What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So let's take a look at the shelf of CDs and see what we're going to play today. Recognize that music? Well, it's among the favorite scores of our guest today. He's an actor who's reached uh, 100 acting credits actually just this year, and he's still in his 30s. This gifted actor has uh, been in a wide variety of films and TV, uh, such as The Big Short, Bad Moms, American Horror Story, and also the film where he and I originally met, the remake of The Magnificent Seven. He's gotten into creating his own projects, uh, an example being the recent award-winning film Dark Meridian. And this year is his busiest yet with numerous projects in the pipeline for release later this year and next. He's one of the gang from Hollywood South and New Orleans that is really making a huge impact on the industry. So I hope all our listeners will please join me in welcoming Billy Slaughter to the program. Hi, Billy. Uh, good morning, Frank. Pleasure morning. to join you guys. Oh, I appreciate it very much. It's um, uh, we did meet on that uh, on that set, and uh, we'll hopefully at some point during the course of the program we'll talk a little bit about Magnificent Seven. But kind of as a way to get started, why don't you help our listeners understand a little bit more about you and just tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, growing up and in, in the early years, things like that. Um, well, I guess going back, uh, proud New Orleans native, born and raised here, um, growing up. Uh, I loved just a healthy middle class upbringing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my my father was an attorney. My mom was a, a dental assistant. Um, they, you know, I, I had an older sister. The point is, it was a great family, um, a lot of traveling and good education, but there wasn't an ounce of creativity in the gang, uh, <laughs> with the exception of, of myself. And that goes back to, you know, my grandparents' generation. So I was, I was the, uh, the oddball out. Um, I, I won't say black sheep because, um, you know, God bless them. My, my family was always from the beginnings, really supportive. Um, 
you know, I've always tried to, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where I get my, my, my rebel streak, but I've, I've liked to challenge convention or buck the trend, um, you know, at least just be an, an independent thinker. And so, you know, as a, a, a growing up as a Southern male, a lot of times, uh, people want to put you into a, a certain box or, or you're told to, to assume a certain path. Yeah. And I remember, you know, in my formative years, uh, when my, my dad and I were having the, the father son, um, you know, so let's, what do you want to be when you grow up or let's talk about your future. Right. So many, so many traditional Southern fathers, um, uh, expect if not demand their son to their, their one and only boy to follow in their footsteps. And, and he said, uh, you have my blessing to, to be anything you want, except a lawyer, except to follow in his footsteps. <laughs> and, and his reason that he was looking out for me, he's like, it's, it's way too cutthroat. You know, like I want, as a parent, you always want, want, uh, something better for your, your, your children. Yeah. Uh, but I guess having always been, you know, competitive, I sought out <laughs> the the more competitive thing than 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 Southern lawyering. So uh, I, I I became an actor. And you and got hooked, right? It just clicked. You know that yeah. was just I knew I was like this is uh, this is right. This this feels good now, but this is this is what I want to be doing. Wow. Well, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and change gears and start getting into some of the music that uh, that you're wanting to share with us today. And, and by the way, to the listeners. Billy gets an award for probably the most engaged and prepared guest I've had on the program yet. Uh, he's had a very active role in uh, putting this show together today, so I guess I'm going to have to give him a co-producer credit or something. But one, one of the things that you wanted Thank to you. do was uh, highlight your favorite composer, and which is what we're going to do with the first couple of cues that we're sharing. Why don't you tell us about the, the first one of which that we're going to play of this particular composer and what, uh, what is it that you like about him? So all time favorite composer, hands down is, uh, the late great James Horner. Um, he, uh, he also came to me early in my, my career. I was, I was 15 years old when, um, when I saw Braveheart for the first time Mm -hmm. and that was the movie that I saw when I said, even though, you know, my, my background was, was in theater uh, I was always a fan of film uh, as a medium foremost, as, you know, as an art form. Film's what I ultimately wanted to do. And watching Braveheart at 15, that was the movie where I was just like, this is this is what I, I want to do for the rest of my life. These are the kinds of stories I want to tell. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even what I love about uh, – well, I mean, man, I could go in. The, the, the film has such a great – ethos about it and and mel gibson is is actually one of my favorite directors for that reason that i think he beyond the the technical aspects of filmmaking he's able to to access uh uh, emotions so well in in his scenes regardless of of you know what that that emotion is and and i think james horner as a composer to me is um is the the musical equivalent of that with so little, clearly Braveheart, he was working with a lot of you know Celtic woodwinds, so primitive medieval um, instruments, and with so little, he can just evoke so much. So, um, yeah, I guess. Okay. Check well, out let's, some Braveheart. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and give this a listen and see what Billy's talking about. This is the, um, let's see, from Braveheart. Yeah, this is the main title from Braveheart. We'll give this a listen, and it's written by James Horner. Just kind of continuing on the uh, discussion about about Horner, um, do you think he is it what works for you is that he's writing music that really there's like two ways I look at film score music. One is it's writing what you're seeing on the screen, and and the other approach is getting inside the characters around the screen and kind of trying to communicate what they're going through. Do you, you feel like that he writes to one thing or another or both or? You know, I haven't um, I haven't really read up enough on his style or seen interviews um, to know his his specific approach. I imagine he does a little of both because mm-hmm. one of my my uh, the next Horner cues are we are we going to do Magnificent Seven next or? 
Titanic. No, I thought uh, Titanic is what we were looking at next, I think. So, but jumping ahead to, to mm. Magnificent Seven, um, which was the last film Horner composed, sadly, because he, he passed away untimely uh, just before we went into production. And um, uh, our director, uh, Antoine Fuqua, has, has told the story many times that, um, of course, here's another – uh, you're remaking a legend. This is also one of the the most legendary soundtracks of all time. And uh, and so uh, in a nutshell, Horner had Horner passed away just before shooting started. Although he uh, Antoine had already tapped him to come on as composer, was really excited about it. And uh, and it it was so upsetting to everyone involved. And and we were thinking, you know, aside from him losing. Losing a, a, a friend, uh, you know, a big piece of the film was going to be missing. Well, come to find out that Horner had already, prior to shooting, uh, even commencing, had already started working on the soundtrack and had done the majority of it. And that was when uh, when production was finished, that was going to be his personal gift to Antoine. You know, uh, well, as yes, as you know, firsthand, we were there. I mean, shooting shooting a Western is an extremely challenging endeavor. There are so many moving parts. So he was going to wait until the, in the very end when, when literally the, the tons and tons of dust settled and just say, <laughs> here you go. One less thing for you to worry about. And now you just, as you're getting the editing, you can put it in and, you know, really feel, feel the feeling. Um, so to, to get back to your question, you know, here here was an example where clearly he started his process as we as actors do with with the script and with the material, um, and I think I think it's probably an an evolving process like the acting, where something that starts in script analysis you start out with sort of one 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 feeling one tone uh, or a certain set of of ideas, but then you certainly allow that's just your foundation upon. Mm-hmm. You allow the 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 collaboration to come in, and then you uh, you know stay open to the the ability to to change based on what what you're seeing. Well, yeah, I, that that story about uh, about Mag, and we'll go ahead and play the Magnificent Seven now since we focused on it. Um, I I was amazed and blown away by that that he had written so much of the score even before seeing a single frame of film. I mean, it was. And it, and it worked, it worked, which was you know phenomenal. And uh, you're right, it was a. I guess he and and Antoine had a, a special relationship, and so he did all that work for him uh, even before the film was starting. I mean, that's just that's an amazing story. Let's let's hear it for ourselves. This is this cue is called Bell Hangers, and it's uh, from the uh, the remake of the Magnificent Seven, and it's written by James Horner.
the bell hangers cue real quick. Um, you know, for me personally, that was <laughs> that was a, a very rare treat as an actor and, and such an honor uh, it, to get the opportunity. Not many of us have to both have a favorite composer you're so passionate about and then find yourself where you are able to. Um, it's hard as an actor to say work with because, of course, you never interact with the composer, but to to be underscored, you know, to have to work alongside with. I bet your performance is underscored with with your your favorite composer. So that was uh, I mean, Magnificent Seven was a really uh, certainly, you know, an experience. I'll, I'll remember my my whole life and it was a turning point in, in life and in, in my career. So to to definitely have, you know, Horner be one of the, the through lines there. And even in that, uh, I chose that that particular piece, Bell Hangers. This is when, you know, the town has been completely destroyed by uh, by the the evil Bogue, you know, who comes in and he's trying to take mm-hmm. their land, and they've they've of course burned down um, the town, uh, the church at the end of Main Street, you know, that many of the old right. West were were built up around the 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 cornerstone of the town, you know, certainly the the soul of it, and so it was a really uh, symbolic moment. This was when um, uh, Ethan Hawke and I are up, and and we've the town's coming back, we've rebuilt the church. And the very last thing to do is we're up in the, the steeple hanging hanging the new bell. And, of course, um, no sooner uh, you know, do we go from the, the, the town's greatest high when you have that sense uh, of, of we're back you know, and raising, raising up ourselves, raising something up to the Almighty. And, and, and what was ringing the, the bells of, of, of triumph um, quickly – uh, turns when we see, you know, the, the, the marauders on the horizon and it becomes the, the alarm bells, you know, that, uh, yeah. um, we have one more fight to go, but then of course re- renewed with, with that spirit that you realize there's so much, so much more to defend. So there was so much, again, emotion in that, in, uh, in that scene, highs and lows. And, uh, there's no one better than, 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 than Horner, as, as I said to, I think really capture that essence. I, I bet that was special, especially when you saw the finished product and to, to sit there and see what you're doing, but also to have that that support of the score was, I'm sure, just an amazing experience. Well, let's go ahead and uh, and play the uh, the other cue from the original uh, Magnificent Seven. This is the original uh, theme written by Elmer Bernstein, and it's what else can you say other than the fact that it's iconic and you instantly recognize it? So let's have a listen to this. This is the main theme from the original uh, Magnificent Seven, written by Elmer Bernstein.
to uh, kind of end our uh, tribute to James Horner, uh, another cue that you had chosen uh, is from uh, the mega hit uh, Titanic. Uh, this is a particular favorite of mine as well. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what in, went into your thinking for wanting to choose a cue from that film. Um, again, it was it was it was epic in uh, in scale, um, and it you know I guess that was was Horner at his most his most popular um, his most mainstream, which I know is a dirty word to some people, but <laughs> Dag Nabbit. I just recently uh, watched Titanic. Um, again, I, I had my, my 10 year old daughter watch it for the first time. Oh, wow. And, uh, and yeah, I don't care how commercial it got you here. My heart will go on and, uh, and it still does. So, oh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it still touches your soul. And it's, um, <clears throat> again, I think, uh, his use of, I don't even know what the instrument is called, but, but, the, the, the some of the ethnic in, instruments for lack of a better way of saying it are just, so perfect, uh, such a perfect fit for this film that it's uh, uh, the soundtrack has become just as popular as the film itself. Well, uh, the interesting thing is this this particular cue is called "Hymn to the Sea," but I think it's kind of the the uh, the theme that people will instantly recognize, uh, and a, just a beautiful piece of music. So let's uh, let's sit back and listen to this. This is. From the film Titanic, the cue is called Hymn to the Sea, and once again it's written by James Horner.
when I was um, when I was looking for information on you as background and that sort of thing, I I have noticed that you have gotten into creating your own content. Is there a is there a reason why you've you've uh, taken that approach? Not not busy enough already, or you just um I mean I hate to say that's that's where where the future is because clearly we've we've seen so many great instances in the past um you know the the rockies and goodwill huntings mm. but um but yeah there's where the industry is we've never seen a, a greater demand for content or more outlets and and as an actor um i mean there's well as an actor you, you i guess you have that option of just sitting on the sidelines and waiting for someone else to to give you an opportunity or you can take your career in your own hands. And it's, it's not just about creating work, but even, even the, the kind of work you want to be doing, the kind of roles you want to be playing and, and stories you want to be telling. So, uh, yeah, a, a lot of it has to do with that, um, that, that creative fulfillment. Cause the, the downside, the dark side of being a, a, a character actor is, um, it, it can be a backhanded compliment at times when, and I've even taken meetings with people in LA, you know, uh, big agencies where they're like, man, yeah. So the great news is you can do it all. The downside is I have no idea what to do with you or like <laughs> who you are because you're, it's not like, you know, again, you don't, you don't fit into that box. I've always tried to avoid the, um, the boxes. Yeah. And of course, in creating your own content is one way to do that, which, reminds me the the film we're going to talk about on cue we're going to play is from a film called dark meridian which i believe you were a a, a producer on and I, quite frankly when i i remember watching that i was thinking wow i've never seen him like this before so i mean i, I guess also creating your own content gives you a chance to to stretch and explore different things that, that ordinarily you wouldn't get a chance to do yeah absolutely you know um as, as actors we all have have our own uh, types for better or worse. And it's not even what you are um, more so than what others might perceive you as, you know, it's mm -hmm. um, of course it can be in one sense, it can be the highest modern art form, but then it's all, it's a, it's a visual medium, you know? So, so it's very image oriented. Um, and, and uh, so you're completely right. Sometimes um, someone is used to seeing you a certain way or thinks of you a certain way. So any, chance you can get as an actor to just say hey uh i want to do something else or i can do something else those are always really appealing and dark meridian was was such a such a great opportunity for that both for me to to move up into uh you know a, a, a leading role in a film uh, that right. was the, the second lead in a feature i i had done which is a different experience you know taking that that through line journey beginning middle to um and and uh and then uh and then yeah i started my career with a lot of a lot of lighter tone stuff and and uh you know comedic young bright-eyed whippersnappers so when, when <laughs> you do something that that's that's gritty and dark um it's always fun you know i guess dark birding <laughs> to date my is maybe the, the closest i've gotten to to being an an, an an action hero um and i'll say in terms of the soundtrack of it that was a unique experience too, because uh, yeah, uh, uh, bear yeah. with me for just a moment on that, because I, that, that was going to be a follow-up question that I had for you, and that 
I'm assuming that as a producer, you are one or maybe the only person that was in uh, in charge, so to speak, of, of looking for a composer. And so I was curious about what your what it was that you were looking for. What was your criteria? And so that you know, and I'm you know, maybe that's what you were going to talk about. But that's one thing I really wanted to ask you is what was it that you wanted from the composer to help your film? I'm curious. Uh, well, so my um, as uh, and this was my, my first time um, in a producing capacity for, for for film. So I was creatively I was a lot more hands on with the the, the casting. Mm-hmm. Um, the choice of composer strictly came from and the credits due to our, our writer director Rankin Hickman. And um, uh, as 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 wonderful a soundtrack as it is, it, it was truly a happy accident. Um, it was our editor, Ryan Dufresne, right. who's just – and uh, I mean these guys uh, – that film was a joy because it took a lot of, of who's who in the local film scene both in front of the camera and behind. So some really talented individuals and they got to uh, – everyone got to take a step up to larger opportunities and, and you know showcase a, a different side. So our editor had been cutting the film. And Rankin had been um, – we got to the point where he was now starting to shop around for the right – composer and was going to some of the usual suspects or reaching out to some pretty established people and what the samples he was getting um, nothing was just nothing just seemed to really knock it out the park or, or really fall in sync with with the tone he he wanted to create for the film mm-hmm. and so um and so it just so happened uh you know similar to that that pleasant surprise with with horner and and mag seven it just so happened that that our editor um, Ryan, as he had been going along and editing, just to help his creative, uh, the creative storytelling and the technical, he was just dropping in some of his own sound cues just, yeah. just around, you know, and and it and it it just clicked, and everything to a T felt so right and laid in perfectly that uh, it was uh, for our 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 creator Rankin. Um, you know, you're taking on so much on your shoulders. And that was one of those huge sighs of relief where he was just like, wow, I can stop this entire uh, process. And, and he just turned over the reins to, to Ryan. Um, and it's, it, I mean, you can imagine that it's no wonder more editors don't, don't get into scoring because you are, you're, you're just, you have all the cards in your hand. So he was able yeah. to, drop in uh the the perfect bits tonally audially that fit in what with the the, the visuals he was he was cutting together yeah you know and i've worked with ryan before and uh and and knew of his editing skills as well as uh I, I, he was directing when i was working with him but I, I had no idea that he had musical skills as well so this was a pleasant surprise for me and uh yeah i think it does work really well let's let's go ahead and play an example of that um I believe I don't I don't recall what the actual cue. I don't know if it's like a main title or do you recall anything about the actual cue that that uh, we're going to play? Um, in this cue, it's actually I think m- middle of the film where where we're starting to see a a large development in my character. Um, so it's it's a yeah it's definitely a, a transitional time in the film uh, where things take a turn for for the darker. And I think, you know, the, the, the Q, um, the Q captures that it not only takes a turn for the darker, but it also just kind of kicks into action. So I think that's, that's what you're going to hear 
where where visually um, we see uh, we see if if you can picture a a man on the streets of New Orleans. Um, it's late at night, uh, clearly on a mission. He's he's moving through from from uptown to downtown to French Quarter. So uh, the the film is definitely moving forward at this okay. point with her. Yeah, let's have a listen. This is from the film Dark Marinian, and it's written by composer and editor Ryan Dufresne. idea of of something that you're hoping to do in the future with your career that that you haven't yet are there you know some people are into making goals and others aren't but i mean is there is there anything on the horizon that you're hoping kind of comes your way at some point um you know i mean i i guess i'd like to play some some larger roles i know i'm not i'm not alone in in uh, you know every actor wants to do more um uh, man, I, you know, there's still certain people I'd I'd like to work with for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's our short list we all have of who you want to work with in terms of other actors, who you want to work with as directors, um, the kind of roles you want to play. And and I can say in a nutshell, I'd I'd I would definitely going back to Braveheart being such an early inspiration. I would love to do more more period work. That's something as an actor, and like Magnificent Seven again, no matter how many. No matter you can move into producing, no matter how many cards you attempt to control or you're responsible for development, sometimes it just requires you to be lucky in the right place at the right time. You know, I mean, uh, when you look at Denzel Washington playing our our number one in Mag Seven, guys like that who who in many other regards have sort of done it all or or can do it all, you know, they. they need a chance. They need an excuse. Someone to come to them and say, "Hey, how do you want to? How would you like to star in a western or, you know, this great this great period epic?" Um, and even sadly, I'm aware as as an American actor, 
you um, <laughs> I know nobody wants to hear an American actor complain, but as an American actor, <laughs> you do get fewer opportunities to do some of those, you know, the great sweeping uh, period productions. I mean, I would love to be on any Game of Thrones spinoff. Um, I thought that's where that was going. <laughs> you know, I, as an example, I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, brainstorming there. But, um, you know, I you have like Peter Dinklage holding it down for, for the Americans. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what I can do. So, yeah, if anyone's listening from the Game of Thrones team, give give me a call. Yeah. I'm available. Call me. <laughs> available. My, my, my sword skills are excellent. So, have you uh, have you taken training on that? Well, so um, my 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 background goes back to theater, but specifically um, classical theater. I did a lot of Shakespeare um, coming up in my uh, in in uh, in high school, but then college days training. I, I, I trained in, in England for a bit. So uh, so yeah, in, in Shakespeare, I was able to do a lot of weapons work, and and uh, man, they're just <laughs> you. Yeah. You get a, a lot of different experiences as an actor, but um, having to say you've you've been in a sword fight, like like that's there aren't too many things that compare to just being in sword fights. That's uh, <laughs> it's just in a category by itself where you're like, all right, that's that that's cool. And I remember even mm-hmm. even when it goes bad, it's good. You know, I've I've sustained sword fighting injuries, and then you're you're just going about. Uh, your normal life after that the next day or something, someone's like, Hey, what happened to you? You messed up your arm. And like, ah, broadsword, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Sure. Um, how funny you had uh, picked as another cue that you were interested in playing, uh, from a film called into the wild. Yeah. Um, man, I think here's, I'll, I'll get back on my, my, my generational horse. Um, so this, the entire score was done by by Eddie Vedder, the frontman of, of Pearl Jam, who hmm. um, and of course I've been a lifelong fan of film, but just a lifelong fan of music. And uh, and Eddie Vedder is my single rock god up at the the top of the mountain there. Um, it was one of the last times too, from a, a film score standpoint, I can remember where it just took a, a contemporary music artist, and they were just given the uh, given uh given free reign to do the entire uh soundtrack so there's such a great through line and uh for what the film is i i don't think there could have been a better person to uh to capture those stories hmm. uh, so so has eddie vedder done any other films then since this or uh uh no no he this, he hasn't as this was just fact, a one-off then it, huh? it was it was the one-off and uh maybe what changed for him is the film, given that it's it's about stepping out of society and just stripping everything down in simplicity, it's very much you know like a for for, for Eddie who was used to fronting uh, a, a rock band that you know sells out arenas worldwide. Now it's just uh, back to the the basics: a man, his guitar, and his and, and his word, you know. Um, and so with that change for him, that experience is not only is the soundtrack stripped down. After that, he went on and released. Uh, his first solo album, which is uh, is uh, ukulele songs, and the entire album is <laughs> just him and ukulele. And so now I have mm-hmm. had the pleasure of of going to see him as a solo act, where it's a continuation. So if anyone loves the Into the Wild soundtrack, uh, treat yourself, man. If you love music, 
if ever you get to catch Eddie Vedder solo. And I, <laughs> I literally went to, went to the Island of Sicily to, to catch him solo oh, wow. back finishing up his European tour, but he still plays stuff from into the wild. And, um, yeah, it's just so, it's so stripped down and, um, and yet powerful and, and poignant at the same time. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of everything you would, you would hope music and, and then film could be. Yeah, well, let's let's have a listen to this ourselves. This, the cue is called Long Nights, but it is from the film Into the Wild, written by Eddie Vedder. I'll be better off than I was before I've got this life I'll be around to grow Who I was before I cannot recall Long, long nights aloud to feel I'm falling, I am falling, the lights go out. Let me feel I'm falling, I am falling safely to the inside me now like a brand new friend I'll forever know I've got this life and the will to show I will always be better than Long nights allow me to feel I'm falling, I am falling, the lights go out. Let me feel I'm falling, I am falling safely to the So uh, what's in Billy Slaughter's future? I mean, uh, I realize there's some things you can talk about and some you can't, but can you uh, give us any kind of indication about what you've got in the pipeline and that you're excited about? Sure. Um, well, it's I'm super excited right now because I'm, uh, I am I have the honor of, of being part of the new season of, of Mindhunter on Netflix, which just, just came out this past weekend. Mm. And, um and that's another rare treat as an actor, just like I, I got the chance to be uh, scored with my favorite composer. I got the chance to actually be a part of one of my favorite shows on, on TV. So um, so I'm still um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of of binging Mindhunter the whole season as a fan. 
and uh, so it, it, yeah, that that one was also ranks up there. You had talked about career highlights, right? Um, just uh, man, the 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 high bar they set for that show to be a part of it. It was um, I got to I think do everything I wanted with the character, and of course that's working with David Fincher who is so detail oriented, so specific. And I, I love that level of, of, of detail. Um, but as, as intense as that was, and of course, if you know the subject matter, we're dealing with serial killers and psychology. Um, I also get to look forward to this coming weekend. Um, I'm in the new Showtime series on becoming a God in central Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's a Kirsten Dunst, uh, vehicle, so now we're we're back uh, early '90s Central Florida sort of get rich quick scheme. So that's a dark comedy, and uh, and uh, yeah, the the fall has some other some other good ones coming up. I I get to be in the um, the Patsy Cline Loretta Lynn film that Lifetime did, which oh, okay. is a great thing to you know to to mention to your audience uh, that brings you know, just fans of music and 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 storytelling. The uh, our leads there are uh, Megan Hilty and Jesse Mueller. And so they took, you know, some actresses that obviously they're talented as actresses, but they have Broadway backgrounds. Basically, they weren't just looking for, you know, a, a pretty face over a recording. They they found the real deal and they and these gals sing everything in, in, in the film. And they oh, man, it's going to be great performances. So so check that one out hmm. and, uh, right around the same time. I have. Uh, uh, the second season of Hot Date, which I think is coming out on, on Netflix. And that is just, <laughs> you know, very broad um, relationship comedy. So it's it's going to be a good um, a, a good range the next few months. You are one busy dude. That's congratulations. That's a uh... Yeah, it's it's been great being a part of that. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'll give, um, as you said, more and more happening in the southeast. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one one other exclusive, which is. In terms of career highlights, oh, exclusive. Hold on, hold on. Exclusive. Maybe we should have maybe we should have some music. Dun, 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 exclusive, exclusive. Where's your your sound cue? <laughs> Can you edit to have Horner underscoring, please? My exclusive announcement. No. Um. So the last <laughs> film I'm I'm just finishing up with, and I hadn't been able to talk about it until this point, but I just wrapped on uh, on Clint Eastwood's next film. So when we talk about man checking off bucket list items. Uh, coming on, I'm 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 still I'm still riding that high alone from uh, from just working with one of the one of the greatest actors, directors, filmmakers of all time. Um, no kidding, and still going strong. And I, what, but he's he's close to ninety now, right? I think, or he's on the door. I think he's he's eight nine years old. And I'll say to people, ask me in a, very quickly, you know, what it's like working with with Clint. And uh, it was it was everything as amazing as you would imagine, but then more in the sense wow. he, uh, he, he's, he's the, the, the soft spoken grizzled, you know, old timer now that, 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 that we would think of just very simplistic and straightforward. So, so I got what I was expecting there, but what was amazing to see, I was surprised at, at how extroverted he he can be that even a guy like this who's who's done it all who's seen it all when he um he don't have to be making movies like he could have retired long ago so he's still in it for the love and then when you see when you see him get what he wants uh, no less when 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 you're when you're giving it to him and you just see you just see this guy the the little kid in him you know 
<laughs> this, the the Leone cowboy uh, when you just see him light up and and uh, 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 still with it, 89 years young, leap out of his chair and and cheer or clap or give you a whack on the back and an attaboy. Man, I mean that's that's uh, it's certainly moments like that 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 inspire you to keep going and and just to to right then and there give him the absolute best work that you can and then of course you you see it on the camera. Wow, wow, what that's congratulations on that. We'll look forward to seeing that I guess sometime next year. Um, the final cue that you had chosen is a is a particular favorite of mine. Uh, not only the film but 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 the score is. I can't even imagine the score, the this film being scored by anyone else. It just was so, it just is magical. And we're talking about the film Forrest Gump. We were going to play a, a suite that he had recorded that has samples from uh, throughout the the score. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to include the music from Forrest Gump today. Yeah, I I, I guess I, I couldn't do this show with, without maybe sending off with that um, to sort of bookend it when we start with something like Braveheart. Which uh, you know, as much of life as it explores, it's at such an epic, heightened level. You know, the uh, the tides of history shifting and life and death. And then with uh, you know, Forrest Forrest Gump, of course, the the film and what the the soundtrack and the score reflected, such that that transition of um, not just the the high epic moments of life and history. But then, uh, as we know, but life continues through those moments and just the everyday and the small moments. And as Forrest represents, you know, just a one simple lone human being in the midst of all the the other stuff around us that that happens. Um, uh, so that that's what this soundtrack captured and, and means to me is is the 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 life's beautiful um yet touching simplicity no matter how uh, how intense everything else gets yeah i mean just the simple little uh, piano piece is a uh, you know does that perfectly a very simple simple little melody but says so much about uh, about the character so yeah i agree let's let's have a listen to this this is fabulous this is a a suite of music from the film forrest gump uh, that was recorded and it's written by composer alan silvestri
for those of our listeners that uh, perhaps live in the in the South and uh, maybe even be in the in the film community like myself, I'm curious what your what your thoughts are about the uh, the future for Hollywood South. Are you, are you optimistic? Uh, do you have any any kind of a feel for where things are going? I am optimistic, um, and that's you know it's not my 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 opinion or hope. Of course, I I want to see us continue doing well, but what we've already seen is uh, especially uh, this year and going into last year, it seems like we've really achieved that that healthy balance of of um, of independent versus studio, of film versus TV. So uh, I really feel like we're in if you want to say the the third phase or a, a, a Hollywood South Renaissance where we've we've just achieved that 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 best of all worlds balance. Mm-hmm. So I think right now it's less about doing something differently so much as uh, man with without going political, but you know we're getting into election cycles and all that, and we know votes matter. You know, some t- we we're at a place where I think we we sh- we need to try to leave well enough alone and keep doing what what we've done so well to get us here. And uh, and of course, I keep hearing more about projects lined up. So I think we have we have a lot to look forward to in the future. Um, and then, like myself, you know, I'm thrilled to say we've turned a corner where now our our local talent, local actors, local cast members are getting to step up and and get some larger opportunities. Yeah, so, and a, an example too is a, I I know you guys just released on uh, on Amazon the uh, that kind of a miniseries for a lack of a better way of saying it of a, a called Arsenal, which is uh, captivating i would encourage people to check that out if you have amazon prime it's uh, the name of the show is simply Arsenal, and billy has a major role in that and uh it really showcases a lot of local talent and uh and i think you'll be you'll be impressed yeah thank uh, you i, I did want to mention Arsenal to the audience as well on on this show specifically because that was another instance like dark meridian where um, uh, it, w- it was scored uh, locally as well, and and the music is um, yeah the 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 scoring on on Arsenal is is really strong, really helps the the story along. So um, there's another local composer. Yeah, uh, you uh, recall the name? Because uh, I don't think I've noticed uh, yet. Oh, you, you know, know who it was, or and I I should have that handy, and I, I don't it recall. Wasn't the name. Jay? Wasn't Jay uh, Weagle? Was it? No. Um. No, no, it, it was no. not. Uh, uh, man, uh, Jason Bush was our writer director. Um, yeah, let's pl- please look that up or get get your crack research staff on it. <laughs> uh, uh, but I want to I want to give him just the the composer alone a, a, a lot of credit because um, in light of the, the the great performances, it's such an ensemble piece. But it's another one that the story it's a heightened story told simply, so the music really adds a whole different uh, uh, dimension to it. Yeah, get on Amazon Prime and check it out. It's a uh, four thirty-minute episode, so you can easily binge-watch it to see the entire arc of the story. And I, it's a uh, you know, it's 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 great writing, and I and the performances are terrific. Um, look, Billy, I know after what you've told us about all the projects that you've been working on, I think it's pretty obvious that you're extremely busy. And I know that you and I went back and forth trying to find a time to do this, and so I'm I'm really grateful that you were able to carve out some time for us and, and have a discussion about what is obviously a passion of yours, not only just filmmaking in general, but, but uh, also film scores. And so I, I appreciate you sharing that passion with us today. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we, we appreciate you doing this show. It's, 
it's such a great niche in the industry that that probably doesn't get enough attention and yet um i mean from from professionals to amateurs it's something that 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 we're all affected by we all know our favorite our favorite scores even if we can't name the composer or might not even <laughs> the, sometimes we you know the scores outlive the films themselves so uh yeah. certainly thank you for uh for doing the show oh thank you that that means a lot coming from you i do i mean that sincerely i appreciate it well uh that's going to do it for us on this episode of what's the score my thanks again to billy for uh, joining us today and making time for us and also to all of you for downloading and uh, liking and clicking and all the other things that people do I, i'm very grateful for the support the program gets so thanks very much for listening there's basically only one thing left to say and my name is frank wilson my time is up I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score.